0: Hello everyone, we are back again with our second episode of the podcast Startups Around the World. My
1: name is Alina and I'm Kate and we are very happy to be back and today we are kicking off with our second amazing guest from very sunny and marvelous Mexico and uh, I'd like to present to you Alex and Alfredo who are our guests.
2: Hi, hi guys. Hello everyone.
1: Uh, So guys, do you want to tell us a bit about yourselves and about your companies Let's start with maybe Alfredo.
3: Yeah, thank you so much. Um, I'm Alfredo Montoya, founder of Collaborativo. We are a group of organizations dedicated to promote sustainable development and impact in the entrepreneurship and investment ecosystem, mainly in Latin America. We offer uh, global acceleration programs for uh, global entrepreneurs, and we also manage an impact VC fund where we invest in impact tech startups at seed stage.
0: Very cool, thank you, Alex.
2: Yeah, I'm Alexander Yoshevsky and I'm the co-founder of Cressy. We are a new, a new type of new bank in Latin America. And so what we do, we provide people with all the tools and products they need in order to be financially healthy. So, and also I have a background in startups. Uh, in startups, uh, I, I've been, um, I've been helping um, Kaspersky Lab, it's a Russian cybersecurity uh, company here in Mexico, to manage their early uh, their contests for early stage startups. So and and actually, I've also co-founded a couple of other startups here in Mexico. So I have um, a strong background in startups. Okay.
1: Okay. Uh, so uh, let's see. Mm, should we start with something? very simple alina do you have uh, a specific topic on your mind that you'd like to start discussing yeah
0: well firstly i'd like to learn more about uh, what our guests are actually doing in their companies what kind of products they are developing uh, especially now in mexico as we have quite international community here now so uh alfredo can you please tell us more what's like your core products or services And why did you decide to start them, and uh, how did you start them?
3: Yeah, for sure, we we start Collaborativo because we were tired that the lack of uh, options in the market for impact entrepreneurs. First, I would like to define what is an impact entrepreneur or impact startup company. Are uh, companies that are not only looking to create benefit for the shareholders. We are looking to create a positive impact in the social and environmental space. So impact startups typically are relayed to the philanthropy sector. And it wasn't recognized as something really meaningful for the investment ecosystem or the entrepreneurship ecosystem. So we started Collaborativo 10 years ago with the booming of the Mexican ecosystem to offer this alternative of impact uh, investing and impact entrepreneurship to everyone that was looking to actually change the world and why not make some money in the process. So uh, that's the, the main sector that we work with. We are no longer, 10 years ago, we were a niche market because most people didn't understand because the ecosystem wasn't, uh, already established uh, right now we are the biggest type of entrepreneurship and investment uh, because most people have realized the necessity that we have to actually stop looking just for uh for benefit and revenue and start looking for what are we doing for the world and for us
1: that sounds amazing uh, i remember you guys also used to uh used to have uh, some short uh, videos with news on Facebook, right, that are related to just technological ecosystem, no?
3: Yes, exactly. One of the main organizations of colaborativo is the Sustainable Development Action Network. It's a non-profit aligned with the Sustainable Development Goals. We work with United Nations in the promotion of the 2030 agenda, and we created this section of talking about uh, entrepreneurship, but from an impact uh, perspective. And we started like that, like a simple way of communicating. And that uh, effort evolved into this large community. Right now, we have over 100 members worldwide. And the conversation is no longer uh, one-sided, but it's a conversation between all the organization of how can we improve the impact and the results that we are making.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And do you uh, work like uh, around the whole country or do you focus, like, are you focused on uh, the capital city or maybe just major cities? Uh, how is it realized around around the country?
3: Well, in Mexico as a country, we have three main cities. There is Mexico City, Guadalajara, and Monterrey. Uh, most of the entrepreneurship activity is uh, centralized in these three uh, three cities. Uh, currently, I'm based in, in Mexico City. I'm from here. We serve not only Mexico, but all the countries in Latin America and the, the Caribbean. Uh, Mexico, uh, for so many years, has become... Uh, one of the best uh, markets for LATAM companies to to grow or to try new things. So um, we we can work all the region.
0: Fantastic, really. Okay, do you have any other questions to Alfredo? And then we, we can ask Alex what he can say in relation to that question.
1: Uh, Well, I do know Collaborateo quite well already because I actually used to follow you guys ever since we met. I was very curious and interested in everything you were doing and uh, really like you're one of the companies I'm always like trying to find out what you do. And uh, uh, I'm very glad that, you know, we have an option and a possibility to talk to you about everything that you do and like, you know, help you spread the word. Um, but from what I know, you also you also expanded to the United States at some point, no?
3: Yes, Collaborativo uh, is... Uh, we started like a startup in the way that we keep uh, evolving. And we we not only focus on... Latin America is our main region because it's one of the regions that we really want to impact. However, m- most of our operations are based in U.S. Uh, we have created these bridges between uh, developed economies and developing economies. So we serve as this bridge between the capitals in the north and the startups in the, sa- in the central and south of, of America. So uh, my other uh, office is in San Francisco, in Silicon Valley, and that's how we keep uh, the regions connected. Uh, currently, we are uh, extending these bridges to Sub Saharan Africa and Southeast Asia mm-hmm. because we realize that uh, one of the things that the pandemic brings to the whole entrepreneurial ecosystem worldwide is that we are focusing more on local issues. And typical investors that were looking to invest outside of their communities are focusing more locally. They, they see the problems, the problems that we have, uh, the pandemic only expanded or visibilized the, the, the main problems that we have uh, in our community. So uh, we need to create these bridges among other communities that are trying to solve the same problems. For example, financial inclusion is not only a problem in Latin America, it's also a great challenge in Southeast Asia and, and Africa. So Um, we are looking to create this global uh, perspective for these global challenges that we have.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, that sounds amazing. Um, So, Alex, would you like to tell us now about what you are exactly doing with your startup?
2: Yes, sure. Um, What we're building, we're building a new type of new bank in Latin America that... Uh, will help people start saving and growing their hard-earned money whilst improving the level of their financial education. So uh, the products we we, we actually uh, offer to our customers are personalized financial education courses and real-time saving and spending missions. So we added a little bit of gamification to our app. Um, we also offer interest-free paycheck advances. Uh, and it's a very important point here. Actually, in the United States, many financial apps and neobanks, they offer paycheck advances because uh, it helps, you know, like they're very useful because in the United States, you have the problem of overdrafts and sometimes it's really very difficult to uh, don't leave paycheck to paycheck, you know. So in this Mm -hmm. case, it helps a lot. And in Mexico, we have Actually in Mexico more than 66% of people leave paycheck to paycheck. So we think that with this product we so we, we think that this product will be our iPod product and we will gain traction very fast. So now we will be just launching our app in two weeks uh, for better tests. So we'll see how the market will receive our product and we'll start obviously with paycheck advances. okay? So also, we will offer uh, fixed rate personal loans and personal loans tailored to gig economy workers. It's a very important moment here, too, because actually it's very difficult for gig economy workers who work for Uber Eats, uh, Rappi. Uh, Rappi is a very big uh, food delivery service here uh, in, in, in Latin America and uh, baked by uh, Y Combinator and by SoftBank. So they, they raised more than one billion dollars. Uh, and, and, and actually, these people, they have a lot of problems at the moment of uh, requesting uh, personal loan because most of them, or 80% of them, uh, they don't have credit history and so on. So what we will do, will provide uh, gig economy workers with an option to request uh, personal loans with us and they will be able to do this by simply linking their gig economy profile to our application. So we won't just uh, look at their financial situation we will look at the performance within the app when where they are currently working. So, for example, if they work uh, good or they work, you know, like 40 hours per week, and we can see this and they also, I don't know, they make uh, on average uh, $500 per month. So in this case, we and they have five star ratings. So in this case, we can provide them with with more affordable interest rates. So we'll be pioneering in this space with uh, Algo lending approach. And also we'll provide people with fractional shares investing tools so people in Latin America will be able to uh, invest in, in fractional shares of companies like Tesla, like McDonald's, Starbucks, and so on. And, uh, you know, I, we, we we have uh, in, in Latin America, the financial inclusion problem is a very big problem. So we also will provide people with debit card and checking accounts so they can be included um, into the digital economy. And uh, we decided to launch crazy because we saw that existing new banks in Latin America uh, weren't trying to solve people's real financial issues. So what they actually do, they provide people with a basic cookie cutter product offering like debit card and checking account, but they don't solve their, um, you know, like really their financial issues, which are that people leave paycheck to paycheck. They can't really access to, they don't have access to affordable loans and uh, they don't have a basic financial education. So uh, we're focusing on solving uh, these, uh, these problems uh, apart ju- instead of just focusing on financial inclusion problem. And we started uh, thinking about launching Cressy in 2019, and we finally decided to start working on it um, in June of this year, because I've, uh, I exited um, uh, from uh, the past company when I, where I was working as visa, visa, vice president. And, um so and, and my team also uh ha- you know like the microfiners have closed their company so uh we, we we just decided that that's our best moment to start uh crazy and to start making a new bank and also pandemic I think that uh, changed a lot our perspective and uh I think that that's the best time to launch a new bank since uh the society is moving uh, towards uh, you know like the we see that every day people use more and more like um, debit and credit cards to pay for their orders and to they they also uh, pay for for products at amazon or they uh, order food with uber Eats. so in this case i think that we have a lot of uh, really great shifts in this industry of, of 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 banking so i think that that is a really great time for us to start the our our, our startup
0: all right then uh that's a very good introduction of your startup and uh it also um, uh, set some light on the financial situation i mean like banking situation in general in latin america uh so i was just wondering uh i was wondering uh, do you have um somebody like Robin Hood or Revolut or anything like that. I mean, like these global players, are they present at your market? Because we don't have these guys here. So we'd, we'd also like to have this, you know, <laughs> bit of financial inclusion to be able to buy the I don't know, stocks of Tesla or, <laughs> or something like that.
2: Okay, uh, no, actually, we have just one uh, company here uh, that uh, that have they started offering this um, you know, like a fractional shares investing tool. Um, I think that in, in, in the August of this year and is, and, and, and they are just, yeah, they, they, they are just one company, uh, who is, uh, currently offering this and will be the second one. So actually I think that for example, um, people in Europe and in the United States and in Mexico or, uh, whatever they are, they can use eToro or other platforms. I think because they have also presence in many countries. But actually, yeah, Robinhood, for example, we, we don't have Robinhood here, uh, we don't have Acorns, we don't have uh, Stash, but uh, what we actually will do, we'll work with the same provider of Fractional Shares Investing functionality, um, that, you know, like Acorns and Stash, and uh, they, they're they working with our future provider for this uh, tool. And And actually in other Latin American countries, it's very difficult. It's, it's much more difficult to invest in fractional shares in comparison with Mexico. So our, our, uh, our goal is to really start offering this service in Mexico and then expand to Colombia and then uh, probably go to Argentina. So, yeah, we, we actually don't have a lot of options to invest in fractional shares. And there is just when I once started that offering, uh, they are currently current offering this option. And at the same time, I think that our approach is quite different in comparison with this startup, because we will also provide people with financial education. So it's a little bit different. You know, like I think that um, as far as I remember, Robinhood and Acorn, they also provide like people with um, with financial education courses and so on. So they can invest, um, you know, like better and understand better all the risks that that they run at the moment of investing their money. So we'll also, you, you know, like in, in our application, in our startup, it, Financial education courses—they—they—they—they they, they, they are just like our core product that I think will really boost the usage of of all the products and tools that we have in our application. And and obviously, I think that there will be more um, more startups offering fractional shares investing in the future because, for example, Robinhood—they work—they—they—they they, they have their own infrastructure for um, uh, fractional trading. Uh, but many many startups like Stash, Acorns, so we will do the same thing. Uh, and and actually, I think that uh, this company from the United States that are offering this uh, service as uh, as fractional shares investing as a service uh, tool, <laughs> they will be also start, they they will start working with uh, some Europe startups. And they actually uh, they they're working with Revolut. I think I don't know if you guys know Revolut. Uh,
1: Oh yeah, of course. Like I am actually a devoted user. I switched okay. to them, like from them to N twenty six and back because I do believe that they are one of the best mobile banking apps uh, that is working in Europe. At least they're most sustainable.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they are working with our future provider for these fractional investing tools. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that probably it's it's not it's not so difficult. You should really have you, you should you should raise raise uh, sorry raise like more than $1 million. So they, they, they can see that you will grow. And in this case, they can start working with you. And it's not so difficult because actually this, uh, provider, they, you know, like they, they, they do all the, all the things needed in the United States. Um, uh, you, you, know, you know, like we, it's, it's a little bit difficult when you want to, uh, buy these shares directly from in the United States. So they do all the legal part and you just connect with them, uh, via, API, API, and and you can start like offering this service in Europe and the, in Latin America and so on. So, I think that yeah, I mean, in 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 in, in the next two years, we will see more startups offering fractional shares investing uh, functionality. And I think that it's very important for every every country to uh, to really um, you know like um, give access to people to start uh, investing because. Uh, you know like in the United States' it's very uh, it's very normal to invest in, in companies and I think that uh, economies could can be really strong in just in case people really understand that investing in companies and being a stock a stakeholder it's, it's something really normal okay so yeah it's my forecast for the next two three years
0: I really hope it will come to our part of the world too
2: okay
0: uh, because uh you know, I have bank accounts in two countries and in none of them can I access Revolut. <laughs> Unfortunately, okay. yeah. uh, Alfredo, you, you wanted to add something?
3: Yeah, for sure. Just to give some some context. Uh, the public markets in, in Mexico, especially, are way behind other countries, mainly of regulatory and access to these markets. Regulatory because we were only allowed to create a digital account just about three years ago, so there wasn't any companies uh, allowing to for you to buy stocks from an app because it wasn't possible for you to create an account in some app and do the actual purchase. So uh, yes, we have a few players that started with this regulation, but the thing is, they they put it so like for only for bankers that uh, the startups are struggling to actually catch up with the requirements that are asking for to be uh, uh, supervised by the uh, local commission so two years ago they promote uh, what is called the fintech law that mainly uh, is going to regulate all mainly all the wallets all, all the companies that will be beholding cash in name of people so uh, this, this, this new law allowed too many players to enter to, to the market. And right now we are seeing that the market is flooded with new uh, type of new banks or wallet uh, companies. Uh, you raise a rock and you find two, three fintechs uh, selling a new wallet for, for people. But that is because of the regulatory is just so new that there's no one uh, actually claiming the market for them even the large corporates and the large banks haven't fully understand and have uh, so uh, so many uh, doubts about how this uh, fintech log will will evolve um, the other thing has to do with access for people uh, the public uh, markets in Mexico is not that good uh, just for putting an example the last year, it wasn't any public company in Mexico because there are enough enough incentives for companies to actually raise capital from the public markets. Mm-hmm. The, the requirements for the companies to actually uh, make an LPO are really hard. Fortunately, uh, a few years ago also, we created a second, a second market that is called Viva that is more friendly with the companies and allow them to, to go public, but the results we're just about to see them in the next years.
0: Mm-hmm. I see. So there are some steps being done and this already looks very cool. Awesome. Um, I think we should really move to the next question. We had on our mind for you. So very important thing for any company is the staff, the employees. So the question is Uh, Do you have local teams working at your companies, your projects, or do you attract foreign human capital? Is it possible to find enough qualified professionals in Mexico in both terms like business management and technical part? Alfredo, would you pick up from here?
3: Yeah, for sure. Uh, in, In our case, we have a global team here in, uh, in Mexico, we have people that are uh, Mexican and are foreign working with, with us. The truth about uh, labor here in Mexico is you can find a rich ecosystem. It's a truly global market. The proximity that we have to the, to the U.S. and the attractiveness of Mexico as a tourist place uh, makes it a really, really interesting spot for people from Asia and Europe. Um, They visit Mexico first because of the beaches and the parties and Cancun and and Cabo. And they fell in love with the culture, the food, the people, and they decided to start a career here in Mexico. So we have access to a large pool of uh, really qualified people. And the the, the proximity that we have with U.S. allows us to actually make this... uh, Uh, these people an exportable good for our country. A lot of companies in the US are actually subcontracting Mexican developers, mainly because they have the great qualifications, but they are way cheaper than hiring a local engineer in Silicon Valley.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. And Alex, how easy was it for you to find uh, enough qualified people to work with you in your startup?
2: Uh, no, I'm totally agree with with Alfredo. And actually, in Mexico, we have a lot of uh, talented people. Uh, in, is, and, and especially if we, we speak about uh, the biggest tech hubs like Mexico City, Guadalajara, or Monterrey. And um, actually, yeah, uh, like you know, like um, Alfredo mentioned that many companies are subcontracting sub-contra- uh, um, software development companies in Mexico or engineers in order to develop. Applications or any technology in the United States, and it's uh, it's very true. And um, and for example, one of the biggest the CEO of one of the biggest uh, software development companies, Bismarck Lepe, once said that, and I think that actually this guy helped a lot, um, you know, like to to make uh, to make change, um, you know, like people in the United States in the tech world, tech ecosystem, their mind about Mexican developers because. One, um, I think that he just, you know, he wrote an article about his experience of working in the United States and to working with investors in the United States. And he mentioned that uh, one time he was asked about, um, hey, um, he was asked, hey, Bismarck, um, what do you think about the workforce and about engineers? Uh, Where will you find, uh, you know, talent? And Bismarck said, oh, we'll find the talent when we have enough talent in, 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 in Guadalajara. And one of the investors said, oh, it's in Spain, right? So it's very, you know, like crazy people really two three years ago, they, they didn't consider Mexico as a really big tech hub. And right now, uh, I think that Bismarck uh, helped a lot. Uh, and, and, and actually, his company raised a lot of money. I think that they raised more than $100 million dollars. And I think they they help a lot in this case to really change the mind of, of tech community in the United States. So um, and actually I have a, a lot of friends that run their own software development companies and um, yeah. So they, they 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 usually work actually with with the companies within the United States. They sub, subcontract contract them and they develop, for example, uh, services for Dow Jones or or um, I don't know, uh, Live street uh, Journal and and so on. So. It's very true that that right now i think we we have a sufficient uh, professionals here in mexico and also we have so much of them so they work uh for comp for for many companies in the united states okay
0: <laughs> okay and uh then another question here is um do you have enough senior level tech professionals that's the question that we got stuck in when we were speaking about Georgia, for instance, because we have plenty of talents, but most of them like junior and middle level developers, engineers, and so on. And how was that in Mexico?
2: I think that, yeah, we have a sufficient number of senior level developers. And actually the only problem, and I think that this problem, um, I think that every country has this problem because all the all the senior developers who are really good, they most probably will go to the biggest, uh, to one of the biggest tech hubs in the world. So they go to the, to San Francisco, you know, they they go to New York, they go to whatever, to Canada, to um, I don't know, to to Israel, and so on. So uh, I think that the same problem we have here in Mexico and and many, for example, many. And actually, it's a very tricky situation because many software development companies here in Mexico they have a fear that at the moment they will provide their senior level developer uh, for the subcontract. Uh, you know, if they if they will provide their engineer to work on uh, on a project in the United States, they they don't have really any guarantee that. This developer will still uh, be working with them, and many of the of the companies in the United States they just hire <laughs> these engineers. So it, it's it's always about that, and I think that in Mexico we have a sufficient number of, of senior level engineers. The only problem here is that they are not so good. So so they have salaries, but they they are not at this um, you know like they are not at the same level as in, as in the United States, and I think that. Um, yeah, many people just go there or work with the with the companies with companies uh, from the United States just because they pay much more. But yeah, in my opinion, I think that we have a sufficient uh, number of senior-level developers. I don't know, Alfredo, for example, what, what do you think about this?
3: Yeah, for sure. Here in in, in Mexico, we have a headquarters for many of the largest IT companies in the world, uh, that they have developed uh, a lot of engineers to a senior level. And the biggest problem is that, uh, as I mentioned, the, the good people is uh, an exportable good. So the company, obviously, when they found a really great talent, instead of uh, developing that career here in Mexico, they take them to U.S. So that is also helpful for the uh, general ecosystem because it creates that uh, that idea that you can grow to a, a larger position, uh, better paid, and the thing is that the, the the money that mexican engineers earn is a fraction of what they can make in us so the really good ones are obviously uh looking a way to work for a uh, international company and eventually uh get hired in other countries
1: mm-hmm. okay uh yeah <laughs> and it's i i like it how uh it's just like a minor thing uh alex does it a lot and i always laugh about it how he's always putting the word okay uh every time he speaks i think it's just very common for yeah <laughs> it's uh, very common for latin america though uh and it's just always makes me laugh um, right so uh guys so what do you think like what technologies are uh booming right now in mexico like uh do you have a picture of uh, maybe Fintech is raising right now, or maybe you have some health tech that is now being more popular? And maybe, you know, if not, maybe there is some niche that is uh, lacking projects at all that you wish was more filled right now.
3: The, the answer for this, uh, I believe, that will be different. Uh, it was different before the pandemic That the current answer right now. Uh, before the pandemic, I will tell you, definitely is the fintech. Uh, fintech is uh, the largest uh, opportunity here in, in Mexico, and not just in Mexico, in Latin America as a, as a region, uh, mm-hmm. because we have that missing challenge of financial inclusion. No? The, uh, to give you some context, the interest rates that investors earn here in, in Mexico are around 10%. So, the, the actual banks and the investment funds are paying so well to the investors that investors don't have the appetite to actually go and look for for other uh, segments to, to invest or to give loans. And that have, that have created that financial inclusion has become a really big problem because we don't have enough incentives to actually... Uh, move forward to creating a financial ecosystem to everyone because we are currently really comfortable where we are. So uh, that's why financial inclusion is the biggest challenge that, that we have. Uh, mainly uh, credit and banking for rural areas is uh, something that is really, really growing. And becoming the next uh, neo bank that will uh this place uh, here in Mexico, the most prominent banks are Spanish and American banks. And as I mentioned, they are so comfortable that they are have no incentives to actually go and look for new customers. So that gap is where the opportunity is.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, actually, it made me think about another question, uh, but I think yeah i'm I'm just gonna ask it right now uh so how hard did pandemic actually um affect the work of startups in latin america and well mexico specifically was it a very harsh blow or uh, a lot of startups survived like in europe for example a lot of startups had to stop and close their operations completely because it was just impossible to survive and uh they just uh, had nothing else to do. And I'm just wondering that, well, since you mentioned that the picture kind of changed before it all started, like, I'm kind of curious if uh, it hit very hard the rest of the ecosystem?
3: The, the answer to that is if you have busy money, most companies survive because uh, VCs were in the mood to supporting these companies and injecting more capital. So companies uh, mainly working in the delivery ecosystem, they receive Mm -hmm. a big push from their VCs and founders to actually try. And I I can tell you for the past few months, the largest investment hasn't been around fintech, has been around delivery startups. And we're trying to emulate uh, these super apps that uh, are living in Asia where from a single app you have messaging, you have uh, deliveries, you can purchase anything. And that trend is happening in Latin America. So we have Rappi, that is, it was the first Latin, well, one of the first uh, Latin American unicorns, currently is one of the most valued companies in, in the region. And mm-hmm. they focus on delivery. And we have the, the pandemic created a lot of copycats, local copycats from Rappi. That start growing mainly because of the necessity of people buying things online. So, but, uh, however, the delivery ecosystem can work if the fintech ecosystem is not uh, booming because the biggest challenge for delivery apps is actually the purchasing and the payments. So, in in a lot of countries in Latin America, there are uh, there are not. Uh, really available solutions for uh, payments. Mm -hmm. Cash is still king. So in Mexico, cash is the most important way of trading. And most of these startups have to adapt to actually start accepting cash. Because during the pandemic, what people, most people do is when they receive some cash, they save it. And everything becomes transactional in cash. So it created a, a secondary problem that people is no longer uh, keeping the money in the banks or not, no longer opening uh, bank accounts, but they are returning to using cash, uh, returning to this cash economy. Uh
1: huh. I see. Yeah, that's uh, that's very interesting. Like, uh, I mean, it's true. Like, cash is uh, actually becoming more popular uh, everywhere. Even uh, so, despite the fact that in Europe there are a lot of uh, different fintech startups that are mostly working as online banking, and they even like you know offering you this freedom, like uh, new experience of managing your money. Still, a lot of people are more uh, interested in. Uh, using cash because during COVID uh there were a lot of frauds that were happening with credit cards uh even i actually suffered from it uh, three times in three different banks like there were i was receiving alerts that someone is trying to get money from my account someone actually uh, very successfully paid for uh, a delivery of some home appliances for like almost 500 euros, which was Quite unpleasant for me. Like uh, I wish I would waste it on myself, but I guess someone just now sleeping comfortably on their new pillows. Um, <laughs> so I kind of, you know, I kind of understand why uh, people are returning to cash. Like I also feel like safer now if I just put everything in a box, like you know, and put it under my bed. So it's not something that uh, surprises me. But uh, I think this, like, yeah, this. Part of ecosystem suffered the most blow. Uh, so, Alex, what do what do you think about it? Like, uh, what's your uh, perspective on this?
2: And actually, I'm totally agree with uh, Alfred about like about the fintech sector and the opportunity there, and that many startups uh, they are trying to solve this financial inclusion problem by going to like uh, smaller cities, you know, and rural areas and so on uh the thing here that i think that the main problem of the existing new banks and challenger banks in mexico is that they don't provide people also, you know they provide people with 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 uh, with an instrument like with debit card and the checking account but they don't explain how 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 people should use these instruments so uh, i think that also it's very it's a very challenging task and uh, for example one of the biggest new banks in Latin america called Oh, voila! from Argentina, they've just entered into Mexican market, but uh, and they actually what what they aim to do, the, so they said that they will uh, send their debit cards to the rural rural areas and so on. But in this case, I think that it's not the best strategy because uh, people and, and, and exactly that's because uh, people um, are currently uh, they, they choose cash instead of, you know, like versus versus debit card or credit card. And this is the problem uh, that freda mentioned. So in this case, what they actually, they are doing, they just providing people with a plastic card that they will never use or will use just one for one purchase. And then they won't be able to top up this card and so on. So I think that um, there are tons of opportunities in the fintech sector. And actually with Cresy, we'll be trying to solve them uh, through the financial education. Uh, to, uh, also, we will be focusing on, uh, and we will be the first in, uh, inclusion neo bank in Latin America. That means that if you already have a bank account, you can connect uh, your uh, your primary bank account to our app and start using the app. So we're we'll just uh, trying to really disrupt the space and don't focusing just on solving one or another problem. We'll try to 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 solve these problems in in, in you know like all, all these four or five problems that really. Um, you know, like um, that, that are really problem that on a daily basis people have while they're managing their personal uh, finances. And uh, on the other hand, I think that, yeah, actually uh, cash has affected uh, many startups in Mexico and, 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 and obviously food delivery and grocery delivery uh, startups, they're booming right now in Mexico. And I, and I think that uh, in the whole uh, and, and worldwide, you know, I think that pandemic, since the pandemic began, um, many, te- you know, like, uh, and, and right now the technologies that are booming in Mexico are the same technologies that are booming worldwide, okay? So, and I think that um, other, other um, like, technologies uh, which are booming right now are e-commerce and uh, also telemedicine and education technology. And I think that uh, the second, um, you know, like, fintech is a very, um, we, we don't have so much startups here in Mexico and in Latin America, but I think that also uh, education um, technology and education tech startups, they we are we are really locking these startups here in Mexico because we have a strong demand, but we have just a few players that have robust products in comparison with, um, you know, like also for example in India they have a lot of uh, educational startups that are have a very robust product and large uh, base of clients and and tons of and tons and tons of uh, good really courses on every subject okay so in this case i think that we're lacking a lot uh, right now because of covid um, really cool educational uh, startups here in mexico and uh, i think that uh, probably in in the next uh, one two years we'll see more uh, and more educational tech startups since we're shifting towards Um, You know, again, people are shifting uh, towards um, having more meetings uh, in in, in Zoom or having classes in Zoom or, um, I don't know, learning something new, um, you know, like through Coursera or Udemy and so on. So I think that that's that's the, 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 the technology that we're actually locking here in Mexico.
0: I think I can recommend you a bunch of cool tech startups from Ukraine, Belarus, and Georgia.
1: I knew it. I knew it. I knew, it. I knew no for it. I knew it.
0: No, no, seriously. I, I just, I, I was just organizing a startup conference recently for Central Eastern Europe. And I think that among 20 pitching startups, like top 20 startups we had there, Five were actually edtech tech startups. And I think that there are plenty others of them uh, on this market, really. And the products they are developing are mostly suitable for emerging markets. So that means that we can definitely help them scale to Latin America rather than to, I don't know, European Union or something like that. So I think we we can, we can introduce you somehow, <laughs> someday.
1: <laughs> I actually think that, uh, like, I was also part of this conference that Alina is talking about. I was mentoring startups. One of uh, these edtech tech startups uh, requested uh, a meeting with me, and I told them to look towards the Latin American market because I think that it could be a very good match. So, yeah, Alina, let's make up a plan and let's <laughs> push them there. I think it will work. Oh,
2: <laughs> so
0: the... The new business opportunity. Cool. I like doing podcasts. Okay, (laughs) Uh, so actually, uh, you were speaking about um, like we were speaking about technologies. We were speaking about industries and domains. And how about the overall uh, entrepreneurial scene? Uh, I mean, like, uh, do you have like gender equality uh, uh, among your startup founders? Uh, Is it the same as as in many other countries that uh, male-led startups are more invested than female-led startups? And also, uh, I mean, like, how much the entrepreneurial uh, team, I don't know, group, community is diversified, I would say.
3: That's really tough. Yeah, that's a really tough question because... (laughs) Well, for us, Collaborativo, we really uh, put an effort to actually create a uh, diversity and make uh, equal opportunities for everyone. But mm. not everyone thinks the same. Um, I believe that in Mexico, culturally, is a uh, society dominated by male leaders. Uh, we don't. Most people don't ambition or don't believe that women are better leaders, or actually can be uh, opinion leaders. And that's something awful, because Mm -hmm. you you see the the magazines about the uh, 100 most successful people in in Mexico, and none of them are women. And the ones that are women, they create a special section about these are the successful women, but they are not uh, featured on the main page. So... We're trying to, to solve this uh, inequality that we have, but we still have a lot to do. Uh, we need more uh, success cases of women uh, creating amazing things. Um, uh, one of the things, for example, that I celebrate the most with the current U.S. election is not about Biden winning, but uh, Kamala Harris being the first uh, woman and uh, a South Asian VP uh, is something incredible because she will become the inspiration for a whole generation of mm-hmm. people that can that the now can believe that you can make it you can make it to the highest place in a political system and we need more more cases like that we need more women uh, doing great stuff and taking leadership positions so in most in most companies uh, they are starting to create these uh, ethics committees and diversity committees inside their companies, but they are just not enough. So we need to give uh, true leadership to, to the women, not just including them in the conversation, but th- they need to lead the conversation.
1: Mm-hmm. I actually think that it's a very good point. And I'm sorry, Georgia, I'm sorry, Alina, like, Uh, that speech was enough for me to say that i'm ready to pack my suitcases the first flight to mexico and i'm there let's (laughs)
2: leave let's do it (laughs) sure Sure. you're very welcome here every you know like anytime you want
1: feeling
0: loved (laughs) (laughs) very cool i i think uh one of my ex-colleagues is also now in mexico and she's just digital nomadine. and i think that's her second or maybe third already trip there and instead of just sitting in the northern europe she prefers being in mexico that's like more comfortable for her to to work from Uh, and she's a real leader i mean very strong and smart lady um maybe maybe i will also have a chance to connect sure. you. Uh, I also um, wanted to ask. Okay, so so now we see this issue in the founders, like on the founders' scene, and another side is investors. Do you do you have uh, like enough local investors? I mean, like we see investors that are supporting uh, technology startups, technology companies, and also the question. The next one would be. Uh, Are they supporting early stage only or do you also have like round A, B and over? Or do you mostly have guys coming from SoftBank and so on to do these rounds?
3: Currently, we don't have enough uh, angel and city investors. and That's because 10 years ago when the Mexican ecosystem uh, started forming, uh, most of the current VCs receive investment from the Mexican government uh, as a catalytic capital for them to actually raise more capital and invest in the ecosystem. This was a really great push for the ecosystem because was a keystone for most VCs and the most prominent and successful VCs currently were funded by this uh, governmental program. However, uh, at, at that moment, most VCs were just trying to replicate the Silicon Valley model where you invest in a company at early stage and expecting that the company will be uh, bought by a large corporation in five to six years or maybe become so large that uh, make an APO. But that is not the reality for Latin American startups and for Mexican, uh, it's not also. Uh, IPOs, as I mentioned, is not a common thing uh, because there are not, not no, there isn't enough incentives for companies to go public, and there's not enough appetite from the investors to actually purchase uh, Mexican shares. And the m ecosystem here in Mexico is not the same that the MA that you have in the U.S. Mainly in Latin America, we we have that what is called acquire, where Companies, they just buy teams for they just keep developing or stop developing what they are doing. So these exits are not as they don't have the same multipliers that we see in in other countries. So all these bunch of busy investors that start investing really early realize with the past of time that they are not getting any exit. And by the time they raise their second fund or their third fund, they start moving upper in the stage of the companies they invest. And currently in Mexico, we only have less than 10 uh, funds investing at seed stage, because all the rest, that are about 50, uh, they have sit down uh, on pre-Series A or Series A companies, uh, because they didn't have a really good result uh replicating the silicon valley model and they are just waiting to invest in the next company that will be uh invested by uh, uh, one large bc uh, in in us so currently they are more working like uh, uh like intermediary between the really large funds and the companies that are getting to series a and series b
1: all right. Uh, Alex, since you just, well, founded yet another startup, uh, what's your look at the whole investor scene in Mexico?
2: Yeah, it's, it's a very good question. And actually, I am totally agree with, with Alfredo um, on all the points he mentioned. And uh, yeah, for example, right now we were looking for um, VC money, but obviously we'll do this in the United States. Uh, because in Mexico, it's almost impossible for early straight stage startups to raise a sufficient amount amount of money to really, um, you know, like uh, to grow fast to 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 take the market share needed um, in order to really uh, become a, a player in the market. You know, so um, and and actually, it's very tricky because, um, as 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 Alfredo mentioned, many VCs in Mexico they. are they have a totally different model in comparison with uh, the VC funds from from the US. They just uh, they, they 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 always ask you, okay, uh, how much money do you uh, make? Okay, perfect. Um, so and for example, um, we'll we'll invest and in, um, one million dollar in exchange for fifty percent of your equity. So it's it's very you know like they're investing in startups like in 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 normal business and they don't want to take a risk. And um, uh, still, uh, still, VCs who are currently investing in in early stage companies, they invest uh, so small amounts of money. Uh, so uh, it's it's almost impossible to do something really, um, or something sufficient in order to uh, to to raise money, uh, in, you know, like in in six months or in one year. So you just don't. Uh, doesn't work like this okay so right now we will um we're looking to raise money in the united states and actually my previous experience uh helping me a lot in this case and uh and it's really cool trend that mexican startups and Latin american startups they are just they started raising more and more money in, in the united states because i think that the u.s investors and european investors they saw that Uh, Latin American market is a huge market and that there is no really VCs who can um, cover this demand. Okay. And and also they have a lot of expertise. They have sufficient money. They have sufficient money to do so. And I think that it's a very great uh, trend. And also one another thing that I think that uh, will help uh, startups from Latin America to raise uh, money easily in the United States is that um, because of COVID, uh, many investors started uh, almost all or almost all investors started investing just uh, based based on uh, on on zoom calls. Okay, so it's uh, for the US investors. And uh, right now is is something more normal to speak with founders from Latin America or from Europe and then invest money in their company just uh, after having a zoom call. Okay, so before it was just like, hey, I will go to the United States, I have um, 20 meetings with uh, VCs in San Francisco, New York, uh, Miami, and so on. But now it's totally different. And I think that this trend will actually help um, um, uh, many, to, to many uh, companies in Latin America to raise uh, funds um, in, in foreign uh, markets. And, uh, for example, right now, what, what actually um, I think that is helping a lot uh, for other investors to understand that in Mexico, there are tons of great companies, that um, with each year, more and more companies from Mexico uh, are accepted uh, to Y Combinator uh, Accelerator. And actually with Prezi, we've applied and we've invited to uh, go through their interview process in December of this year. So we are trying just to really show all the you know, like our, our vision, our, um, our background, our, um, that, that we're really committed to change, uh, the way of how new banks should work in, in, in Latin America in this way, help other, uh, startups but by being accepted to white community will help other Latin American, uh, startups to have an, access, an, an access to, um, more affordable VC money in, 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 United, in, in the United States and, and Canada. So. Yeah, I think that that uh, the things are going great and every year more and more Latin American startups uh, have opportunity to more opportunity to raise money abroad.
1: Mm, okay, that's a very interesting point. And actually, since you mentioned uh, helping startups, uh, I think. I think Alina could agree with me. It would be uh, perfect timing for the grand question that I love asking everyone. Uh, but what do you think would be your top recommendations for a startup from other regions that are looking to expand to Mexico? What do you think would be the things that they have to keep in mind and uh, just maybe you have a like couple of advices for them?
2: Um Sure. Um, I think that it's uh, the, the first thing every founder should do prior entering to the Mexican or actually any other market is to have a robust local team um, with an extensive experience in the industries and strong uh, networking connections. And ideally, this team should start um, its operations 10 to 12 months prior to the launch of the service or, or the product. And, um, and we see actually many companies, many big fintech companies, um, have, uh, you, you know, kept landed uh, into Mexican fintech space in the past two, or three years. And what they've been doing, they were uh, they were actually sending their or, or hiring the talent in Mexico and working on the launching for, for one year or a little bit less, and then just launching their product. And it's very important always to have your team on site, working hard, for, um, for for a couple of months or for one year to really be ready to compete with existing players and to really understand how actually uh, um, you know like things uh, work there. So I think that, that that's one of the most important um, uh, things uh, that that any founder should do prior to go to any market or to expand uh, you know his or her business to any any market worldwide.
1: All right. Uh, Alfredo, since, uh, well, I think you're the guru of everything that is expanding to Latin America, uh, would you like to chip in with a couple of advice from your side?
3: Yeah, for sure. Uh, first of all, uh, we need to understand that making business has changed since the pandemic. Uh, currently, we don't have the need to actually start knocking on doors and visiting uh, customers uh, as previously. Uh, all these uh, trend of having meetings and, meetings and meetings and meetings and meetings and meetings and meetings to actually develop a customer or creating a, a great team has has gone to the past. Uh, in the current uh, situation, uh, actually going to Mexico is a really smart move if you want to try something with the product that you already have. Coming here to creating a product uh, Is no different than going to anywhere else. You can find great talent here as you can find anywhere online. However, once you have a product and you wanna try something, the Mexican market has some peculiarities that they. We have really uh, a really group of innovators, people uh, looking to try something new. You have a rich diversity of cultures and uh, types of people, so you can really try and prototype things here in the Mexican uh, ecosystem. You can find any type of customer or uh, tester that you want for, for your product. And we'll give you a really great example of how Latin America behaves in uh, uh, consumer trends, uh, mainly because the Mexico is like a mixture of all the other regions in, in Latam. So if you have success in Mexico, You can have success in any other country of of latam so instead of going to a a smaller ecosystem like maybe it could be uh, colombia or bolivia or argentina or chile you can go directly to where the real market is where we have really amazing players that can help you uh start growing and actually having this regional mindset that that is the most important thing uh, Latin America must be seen like the European Union. The mobility among countries between startups is not as, as dense as in the European Union, but the, the things that we have in common are more than the things that we disagree. So actually growing in the region, Mexico is like the, the greatest step that a company can, can give to enter uh, Latin America. Uh, previously, Mexico was like the backyard or the back door to enter U.S. market. However, uh, that's no longer true. Is the back door for having access to U.S. investors? Yes, but not really to access the U.S. market. If you want to have U.S. customers, go directly to U.S. Uh, Don't mind stepping in Mexico because it will only slow you down. But if you want to have access to the Latin market and access to the U.S. and Canada investors. Mexi- Mexico is the best shot for any company looking to attend Americas as the whole uh, the whole region. And as I mentioned, that the best moment to come here is once you have uh, a product and you need to try something. You need to validate something with your product. This is the best region where you can uh, do it. Uh, always come with some some cash. Because I would like to you, if I can tell you that Mexico is the land of opportunities for raising uh, angel uh, angel capital. The truth is, it isn't because, uh, as I mentioned, the the ecosystem started ten years ago, but we haven't fulfilled the full cycle of investors. Where we don't have large exits yet, the BCs haven't had a large exit, and the entrepreneurs haven't had a large exit. So we haven't created enough wealth to create uh, angel investors. The the better, the, the best angel investor that you can find is someone that had an exit from a previous startup because it's, it's someone that understands your company and has money, uh, smart money to put in, in your company. And we haven't get to that point in Mexico. We're, we're just about, I believe that in one or two years we will uh, complete this uh, circle with the first large exits on the region And then we will see the Mexican ecosystem actually booming. Uh, The the best part is understanding Latin America as the market where you want to have customers and U.S. and Canada where you want to have your investors. And Mexico being in that middle is in the best position for for many founders and investors that are looking to uh, grow to the Americas uh, region. And and also uh, as a... I proclaim myself a Mexican ambassador of the culture. Uh, I believe the uh, coming here to Mexico, not just to making business, but actually to creating a, a family and living here is one of the best choices that you can have because the, the, the people and everything related to the Mexican culture is so rich and so, uh, uh, so people is so kind. That they they really receive you with uh, arms wide open, that make you feel really welcome. Uh, the food is amazing. The beaches are one of the best of the world. The water is amazing. So, uh, also having a really the uh, quality uh, in your life, uh, Mexico is one great spot to to be in. Not just for creating a company, but to actually start a new adventure.
0: That sounded like a real good summary to our conversation today. And I really wanted to thank you, Alfreda and Alex for joining us. Next podcast will be dedicated to another topic and we will have an ecosystem enabler, not the startup founder, uh, that will be speaking about his experience and insights gathered from different countries and different emerging markets.
1: Thank you guys so much for joining us. It was a pleasure and I can't wait to see you again.
2: Thank you very much, Alina. Thank you very much, Kate.
3: Thank you, Oli. What's a pleasure.
2: And also thank you, Alfredo.
3: (laughs) Alex, as always. It's a pleasure. (laughs) Let's be in touch. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Stay tuned.
2: Take care. Bye.